0: This evening's reading is taken from Psalm 51, and you can find that on page 573. That's Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. "'Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. "'Let me hear joy and gladness. "'Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. "'Hide your face from my sins, "'and blot out all my iniquity. "'Create in me a pure heart, O God, "'and renew a steadfast spirit within me. "'Do not cast me from your presence "'or take your Holy Spirit from me. "'Restore me to the joy of your salvation "'and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. "'Then I will teach my transgressions your ways.' And sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then balls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good evening, everybody. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ellie and I'm on the staff team here at HT. And would you just pray with me as uh, we look at this passage that Megan's just read for us this evening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of being able to gather together this evening. And Lord, we thank you for your word which we have in front of us now. Lord, we ask that you would come by the power of your spirit and open our eyes to see and hear and receive all that you would want to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. This evening, we are continuing our evening series looking at the Psalms and how they can help us to connect with God in different seasons of our life. Whether we're rejoicing or despairing, feeling close to God or far away, the Psalms provide us with a framework that can help us express ourselves before God. And I know that personally, I have found them to be hugely helpful and valuable uh, in my relationship with God over the years. Once time and time again, they have provided reassurance that I'm not the first person to feel like this. They've helped put words to what I'm feeling when I haven't been able to find them myself and they've encouraged me to keep pressing into God whatever is going on in my life. And tonight's psalm, as we look at Psalm 51, is no different. And this psalm is one of the few that tells us a little bit about the situation the psalmist was in when they wrote it. Instead of simply saying a psalm of David or a psalm of Asav or no information at all, at the beginning of Psalm 51, we read these words. A psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. This was the place David was in when he wrote this psalm, and that little description doesn't even really touch the surface of what had happened. Uh, We can read about it in the book of 2 Samuel in the Old Testament in chapters 11 and 12, but I'm just going to give you a quick little summary so we know uh, where we're starting from tonight, what was going on uh, in David's life when he wrote this uh, to God, this prayer to God. So it was springtime, and all the kings had gone to war, uh, which was what happened at that time. And King David, for some reason, we don't really know why, but he hadn't gone to war. He'd stayed behind in his palace, and one uh, night he was out on his palace roof, and he looked across, and there he saw um, a, a beautiful young woman. Uh, He didn't recognize her, so he sent messengers to go and find out who she was. um, And they came back reporting that this was Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, who was one of David's soldiers who was out fighting in the war. Well, David uh, liked the look of her, and he sent messengers back to bring her to him so that he could sleep with her. And she did, and then she got pregnant. And in an attempt to cover up what he'd done... David sends for Uriah to come back from the battle, uh, and he asks him how the war is going. And then at the end of their conversation, he says to him, you should go back. And uh, and essentially, he says, you should go back and sleep with your wife. Um, And so he, he makes his way home, but he cannot bring himself to do it when he knows that his friends and the Ark of the Covenant of God are in danger. So David's plan hasn't worked So the next day he he gets him drunk. He persuades him to stay one more night and he gets Uriah drunk and uh, he encourages him again to go and sleep with his wife. But once again, Uriah is a noble and godly man and he will not do it while the war is going on. So David's plan is thwarted. There is no way that he can cover up this pregnancy Um, And so in desperation, David sends Uriah back to war with a letter for the army commander containing instructions to put Uriah on the front line and withdraw the rest of the troops so that Uriah will be killed. And sure enough, that is what happens. And Uriah is killed. And after a period of mourning, David takes Bathsheba to be his wife. And then in one of the biggest understatements in the Bible in 2 Samuel 11:27 we read these words the thing David had done displeased the Lord. And then in chapter 12 we read of Nathan the prophet going to David to challenge him about his behavior and David confesses his sins. I have sinned against the Lord he says in 2 Samuel chapter 12 verse 13. And this prayer in Psalm 51 is David's cry to God after all of that had happened. After all of that mess and that failure, this is his cry to God. But even in the middle of all of his sin and his failure, there is something we can learn from David tonight in this psalm. Tonight we can learn how to deal with our guilt when we get it wrong. Tonight we can learn what to do When we mess up. And tonight I want us to have a little look at what it is David did. But before we notice anything that David specifically says in this psalm, I want us to see first and foremost that that he turned towards God. This psalm is David crying out to Almighty God. It's so basic that we can miss it and focus on all the details of what he said but it's so important that we get this because I think that so often, when we find that we have got it wrong, we can do the exact opposite of this. We think that we need some kind of cooling off period with God, that we need to take ourselves off to the naughty step to avoid him for a while, to give some space for the air to clear. Maybe wait until somebody does something worse and then what we've done won't look quite so bad. But that's not what David does. After everything, after the adultery and the deception and the murder, he goes straight back to God. And the very first thing that this psalm teaches us is this, that no matter how bad a situation, no matter how far from God's ways that we have wandered, we can turn back to God. There is no cooling off period required. By taking all our sins and dying on the cross, Jesus has made a way for us to come to God no matter what state we find ourselves in. You know, I love the encounter that Jesus has with the, one of the criminals who's hanging next to him on the cross as Jesus and they are dying. The man realizes who Jesus is and he says to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus immediately responds today you'll be with me in paradise you know he did not have time for a cooling off period he didn't have time for the air to clear he was in his final moments and Jesus welcomed him into his kingdom if David waited for someone to do something worse he might have been waiting quite a long time he came straight to God and tonight so can we so if we've been avoiding God, maybe we've been keeping our distance, or well, we don't have to hide any longer, like David, we can turn towards God. And as David turned, as he brought his cry before Almighty God, he did three things which I want us to focus on this evening. And the first is that he remembered who God was. I found out as I was preparing uh, this talk that Ed spoke last week about the importance of remembering. It seems to be a theme that is coming up. I wasn't actually there. I was away last week. But when I chatted with him, he told me to listen to it. But I really felt that it was something that God wanted us to hear again this week. Because for David, it was this act of remembering who God was that gave him the confidence to come towards him after everything that he'd done. So what did he remember? Well, firstly, David remembered that God was loving. In verse 1, we read his cry, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. David knew that God was loving and gracious and compassionate. He'd experienced it in his own life and he knew the story of his people who despite messing it up again and again and again found themselves face to face with the love and mercy and grace of God welcoming them back. David remembered that God was loving And maybe we need reminding of this tonight. Well, we have a very clear sign for us, which David didn't have, and it's the cross. Paul writes in Romans 5, chapter 8, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of God, while we were getting on with our own way of living life, God loved us so much that he came and he died that we might have our sin dealt with once and for all and be able to enjoy life with him. David remembered God's unfailing love and tonight I want to encourage us to do the same. Secondly, he remembered that God could make him clean. You know, remember David had tried to cover up his sin on his own by bringing Uriah back from war and then by having him killed in the war. But neither of David's cover-up operations worked. No matter how hard he tried, David couldn't blot out his sin. And in verses 1 to 9, we realize that he gets to this point where he knows that only God can do that as he cries out, blot out my transgressions, blot out my sin. When we ignore God and his plan for our lives, it leaves a stain upon our lives but David remembered that God could deal with it and in verse 7 we read these words cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean he says wash me and I will be whiter than snow you know David had absolute total and utter confidence that God was able to wash even his sin away I expect you've probably seen on the TV those adverts for stain removal products. You know, you see these ch- scenes of children, you know, kind of rolling around in the mud in brilliant white clothes. Quite why you would put your child in brilliant white clothes to go and roll around in the mud, I don't know. But the next scene is of them passing their, their dirty clothes to a parent who shoves them in the washing machine. And then you get this picture of them coming out gleaming white with no stain or mark uh, to be seen. Now, when I've tried it, it hasn't worked in quite the same way. And you know, whether we're using vanish oxy action or whatever other product it is they're trying to sell us, I'm always a little bit skeptical that it's going to come out quite like they say it will. And you know, I think sometimes we can be a little bit skeptical when it comes to God dealing with our sin, with the stain that is on our lives. Maybe we feel it's like a little bit too ingrained or it's a little bit too big. Or maybe we think that God will be able to get most of it out and we'll just have to deal with that. There's no way that he's going to get um, to the bottom of it. There'll always be a little faint mark left. Well, tonight we can share David's confidence that God can do that. And once again, if we are in any doubt about that, then just look at the resurrection. Just look what happened on Easter Sunday, three days after Jesus was killed on the cross. We see him overcoming death, having paid the price for our sin once and for all. And when we bring our sin and our failure before God, we can be confident that he will clean us up, that he will make us whiter than snow. Maybe tonight we need to be reminded not only that God wants to deal with our sin because of his love, but that he can. Deal with his sin, with our sin, because of what he's done. And the resurrection proves that God is not just willing, but that he is able. No matter how big the stain is on our lives, God can wash us completely clean. Maybe like David, we've been trying to deal with it on our own, covering it up in our own efforts, hoping no one will notice. Well, we don't have to do that anymore. Tonight, you can give it to him. Tonight, you can bring it before him and let him wash you. Remind yourself tonight of who God is, that he is loving and that he can clean us up. And maybe it would be helpful. I've got a little slide here with a couple of verses that personally for me, I found memorizing scripture to be a really helpful way Of reminding myself continually and I need a lot of reminding that God is able to do this and um, hopefully a couple of uh, verses will come up on the screen this verse in Psalm 103 for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us what an amazing verse to hold on to and remember Although your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. You know, these are promises for us to hold on to and to keep coming back to. Maybe write one out and stick it in your wallet or somewhere that you will see it on a regular basis. Because we forget and we need reminding. David remembered who God was. And secondly, he acknowledged the state that he was in. He acknowledged the state he was in, and we read that in verses three to six. Earlier this year, I went for an interview at a theological college in Bristol. I'd driven from Cambridge the night before um, to give myself plenty of time. I'd stayed at my sister's house and I'd left nice and early from her house to do the 20-minute journey um, in the morning to allow time for coffee, uh, very important, before I had my interview. Like I say, this should have have taken me 20 minutes, uh, but that day my plan didn't quite uh, work out. I ended up getting horrendously lost and going round and round and round this ring road in Bristol like I was in some kind of maze. It was like a bad dream. I kept ending up at the same point, and this was going on and on and on. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but I was driving round for an hour and a half and I was in a complete panic. I was in a place I knew nothing about, and I was late for my interview. And despite having two sat-navs on the go, by this point I got desperate, I'd pulled over, I'd turned my phone on as well as the sat-nav um, that was going, and they were both telling me, I thought maybe one uh, maybe isn't working quite right, so I'm going to do some kind of um, yeah, double effort and see if that can, can help. Um, but an hour and a half had passed, and I was no closer to finding my way. I kept ending up back at this spot. And so in my state, in my panic, I I pulled over into a side road and was found by some builders who had just arrived for work on the house uh, next to where I'd pulled over. And they tapped on my window and they said, are you (laughs) OK? And I said, well, no, not really. I explained the situation. I was running late for an interview. um, And... um, and anyway, they ended up uh, drawing me a little pencil drawing <laughs> and um, directing me to where I needed to be. So I turned off my two sat-navs and I followed my pencil drawing map uh, to Trinity College in Bristol. And I can safely say that the day got a lot better uh, from that point on. <laughs> uh, and the interview did happen and went well. Uh, but the point is this, you know, before I could get to my interview, I had to acknowledge that I was lost. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how many sat-navs I put in my car, I was lost. And I did not know where I was going. And driving round and round that ring road and ending up in the same spot was not going to help me. And you know, sometimes when we lose our way in life, when we find ourselves in a place where we know we shouldn't be, I think we can take my approach convincing ourselves that it's okay, that we're not that lost, that sooner or later we'll get back on track and we will figure it out. But the reality is that we won't. If we are going to ever get it right, we need to admit, first of all, where we've gone wrong. And that is exactly what David does in this psalm. I love, um, as a verse in, in the book of 1 John in the New Testament, um, 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We need to acknowledge the state that we're in. And David, as I said in this psalm, does that. He realizes the seriousness of his sin. In verses 1 to 3, he doesn't try and shift the blame or, 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 or kind of accuse somebody else. He he owns it. He knows that this is his sin. He says, "For I, you know, um, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me." He acknowledges where he's at. In verse 3, he speaks about how it's always before him. It's like this tape that just keeps playing over and over in his mind. And maybe you can relate to that. And in verse 4, he realizes ultimately who he's sinned against. You know, it can seem a bit strange to say, against you and you only have I sinned, O Lord. What about poor old Uriah and Bathsheba? They don't seem to have come out very well in that deal. And it is against them. But ultimately, His sin is against God to whom they belong. (laughs) David acknowledged the state he was in. And if we're going to get right with God, we need to turn to him and do the same. Maybe there are things that you're only too aware of tonight. Or maybe it's a little less obvious. But a really good thing to do is to take time regularly to ask God to show you if there's anything standing in the way of your relationship with him. This is a really good thing that we can do uh, very regularly. And there's a a great prayer, if we don't know what to pray, if we don't know the words to use, that David prayed in another psalm he wrote in Psalm 139. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And you know, that is a great prayer that we can pray even tonight. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Maybe something will come back into your mind. Maybe you'll be reminded of a situation or a relationship that you know you need to address. But the thing to remember and to hold on to as we do that is that God doesn't convict us to condemn us, but that we might be set free that verse I read from 1 John doesn't end there in verse 9 he writes this if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness when we confess our sins he will forgive us we don't need to wander around in life carrying the weight of whatever it is that we've done that we're carrying anymore When I got lost in Bristol, I had no idea that when the builders knocked on my window, the kind of response they would give me or how they would react to the state that I was in. They could have sent me off in the completely wrong direction. That pencil drawing, there was a lot of trust going on in a really random uh, few squiggles on a bit of paper. But with God, we can be confident that when we acknowledge our sin before him, when we come vulnerable and weak and broken, he will help us. He will help us. And the last thing that I want us to look at that David did is that he asked God to change him. He asked God to change him. After remembering who God was and admitting where he'd gone wrong, David's response could have been to say to God, right, now we're back at this point. Next time I will try harder. I can change. I refuse to let this happen again, a little bit like a New Year's resolution. Well, this is not what David did. His response wasn't to make a load of resolutions, but to ask for God's help. And his prayer in verses 10 to 12 is one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. I just want us to have a little read of it again. He says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I think sometimes we can treat God's grace and forgiveness like it's a giant eraser for everything we do wrong. You know, and as David reminds us in the psalm, God does want to rub out those stains on our lives. He does want to make us clean, but he wants to do so much more than this. He wants to put something new in its place. God doesn't just want to rub out the old story of our lives, he wants to write a new story over our lives. David asks more for us than just a second chance, than just a simple reset. David asks for a whole new heart. A new spirit, even. And in the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel receives this word from the Lord. And we can uh, read it in um, Ezekiel 36, verse uh, 24 to 27. I'm just going to read it. Uh, This was the prophet Ezekiel, uh, a word that he'd received from the Lord. He says, For I will take you out of the nations, and I'll gather you from the countries and bring you back to your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This was God's promise to his people through the prophet Ezekiel and through what Jesus has done for us as he died on the cross and rose again. He has fulfilled that promise and when we welcome Jesus into our lives we are given more than a second chance. We are given a whole new heart, a new life as God's spirit comes and lives inside of us. And tonight, this life-transforming power is as available to each one of us as it was to David when he wrote this psalm and made this his prayer. We too can make this our prayer before God tonight. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It is a great prayer to pray, and it's a prayer that God loves to answer. But you know I think so often we can try and do it on our own. Last weekend I was at home with my family and as we often do when we get together we get the table tennis table out. Now that sounds incredibly grand, but it really isn't. It's just a giant piece of MDF that we stick on top of the kitchen table and then we kind of run around the space that we've got. Um, and um, when we're all there, there's usually a table tennis battle two less than the number of Freemans that are playing. And somebody inevitably ends up playing with an item that they can find in the kitchen, be it a saucepan or a cookery book. Or as last weekend, my sister demonstrated, an old bit of skirting board can also work quite well. Well, inevitably, as my sister discovered last week, they can end up, they will end up losing. Um, And I think, you know, sometimes we can try and attempt to live like that in our lives Instead of asking God to help us to change, instead of asking God to help us to live this life for Him, we attempt to make do with what we've got, with what we've got available to us, a little bit like us in the kitchen, just desperately looking for something to hit the ball with. We can try really hard, but the reality is that no matter how hard you try, a bit of skirting board isn't going to help you. And with God, it doesn't have to. Unlike the Freeman family table tennis bats, there's not a limited supply when it comes to receiving God's life-transforming spirit. He wants to pour it into anyone and everyone who wants to receive it. And the only limiting factor is whether or not we're going to ask him. Whether or not we're going to ask him to change our heart like David did. Maybe tonight you're sitting here weighed down with a way of life or a pattern of behavior and you just feel hopeless, that it's never going to change, that things will always be this way. Well, David reminds us that it doesn't always have to be this way, that we can cry out for God to create a new heart in us and breathe new life in us to give us strength to walk with him. If you're a Christian tonight and you have said yes to Jesus, if you've invited him to come and be Lord over your life, then he will bring about transformation. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. David was far from perfect. I think we can so easily gloss over this chapter of his life and focus on the other parts, maybe more savoury parts of his story, whether it's his defeat of Goliath, whether it's his friendship with Jonathan, all the worship songs that he wrote and the prayers that he prayed. Maybe the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. But you know, this happened. This is no secret. It's right here in the middle of our Bibles. But David isn't written off. Because he recognised where he'd gone wrong. He only knew too well his failure. And in his brokenness, he threw himself upon the grace and the mercy of God. And I love what we read in verse 17 of this psalm. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. This is is what God wants for us more than anything else. This is the kind of heart that delights God's heart, not people who think that they're perfect and have it all sorted, but people who recognize that they need God's help and throw themselves upon his mercy. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. That is a prayer that he loves to hear and delights to answer. So tonight, no matter where we're at, no matter what we've done, we can make this our prayer. We can turn to him just like David did. And when we turn towards God, when we choose to remember who he is and acknowledge the state that we're in, he delights to come towards us. He delights to meet us and fill us with his spirit and recreate us to be the people that he's calling us and longing us to be. The band are going to come up now and we're going to just have a little chance um, to to respond however we want to. Um, But um, this song is called Search My Heart. And maybe tonight as the band play, you want to make this your prayer. Maybe you just want to be still and ask the Lord uh, what it is that he wants you to take away from this evening maybe there are things that actually tonight you want to acknowledge and bring before God or maybe tonight you want to pray create in me a new heart O oh God just take this opportunity to use the time however you want to use it and um, then Rupert's going to continue to lead us but let me just pray for us father God we thank you so much That you are a loving and a merciful God. God, we thank you that when we turn towards you, you do not reject us. Thank you, Lord, that you came to meet us by giving us your son, Jesus, to die for us, to rise again. God, that all all our sin and our failure, God, would be nailed to the cross, that we might enjoy life forever with you. We praise you, Lord for what you have achieved for us. We praise you, God, for the love that you've poured out for us. And Lord, as we give you this time, we ask that you would minister to us by your life-transforming spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And we ask that you would come and make us aware of your presence. Come, Holy Spirit.